Welcome back, everybody. How's it going? My name is Andrew Kuhn. You're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, sitting alongside my partner and co-founder here at Focus Compounding, Mr. Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm waiting for the day you say that you're not doing so well, but that's good. You're always doing well. I'm doing well, so we're happy to be here. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, You are probably listening to this either through the podcast, through iTunes, or Jeff's website, or his other blog, or or Focus Compounding, whatever the avenue is. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, This is the podcast where we just talk about random topics, uh, investing ideas, whenever people write in certain questions, just all sorts of different topics on investing. And we really want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you want to get access to investing ideas that Mm -hmm. ourselves and other members write up about, be sure to go to www.focuscompounding.com. Sign up using the promo code podcast. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Jeff's looking at me, we're laughing. P-O-D-C-A-S-T as the promo code, and you will get $10 off your subscription price forever. Uh, this is another investing topic video. We, we found that these are pretty well received, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to talk about. Um, but today we're going to be talking about moats. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, obviously we, we did a podcast before on the two kinds of value investing, which is one side of it's really focusing on, I guess, cheap things, the Warren Buffett, what we called the Warren Buffett in the fifties through, or his early career. And then mm-hmm. there's Warren Buffett 2.0, which is today where he's just looking to focus on extremely high quality companies. Mm-hmm. And, what falls into that high quality company is um, the word moat. Okay. Okay. And and you've talked about this before that you think there's sort of a misunderstanding with moat. A lot of people say, well, moat is having a high return on invested capital or right. high returns on capital. And you always say, well, that's not exactly what a moat is. What a moat is, is what allows a company to have a, a high return on capital. Right. Is what keeps a high return on capital yeah. continuing. Yep. Um, as I think I've said before, what allows you to have a high return on capital is the product economics. So, um, you know, collecting money up front, uh, being a service business so you don't have to invest in your capital in um, things like that, in um, uh, property planning equipment, things like that, you uh, can earn a high return on capital. But what would happen then is if everyone could do that, is use the start a business to compete with that, um, then you'd have a lot of competition. So there would be businesses that have a high returns on capital, but what would happen is they wouldn't continue to have high returns on capital for a long time. You'd have big changes in terms of market share. You know, you'd have different leaders in the industry every five or 10 years, things like that. So um, a a moat is what allows a company to have high returns on capital for a long time. That's the idea behind it. Mm -hmm. And what do you think are some qualities of companies that have moats? Okay, so moats are usually something where they're... The sort of most common idea behind moats is that for some reason it's not possible to set up a business competing with you that would survive. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's not a survivable niche. There's not a sort of foothold that the company can get in that it can stay um, generating enough uh, cash flow, retaining enough earnings to grow and invest in what it needs to to compete with you. Mm -hmm. So um, that could be a head start. You know, tech companies and things like to talk about first mover advantages. The problem with that is historically, it's not that common for the first mover to end up the one surviving and, and being successful. Sure. Um, so, yeah, but it is the first one to scale up. So the important thing is not really inventing something, but scaling up. So we talked about Breeze Eastern once before. Uh, Breeze Eastern, we did like a postmortem on Breeze Eastern. Uh, 
Breeze Eastern was of a size that it could be successful. But if you think about it, a company that was half that size would have trouble. And they had one competitor who was about half its size. And a company that was half the size of that would be too small. So it could just it, you can have a moat simply on that basis. And that's the basis on which BWX Technologies has a moat. Um, the customer who needs nuclear reactors for ships is the U.S. Navy. And they only order so many carriers and so many um, submarines. Mm-hmm. They would love to have two competing companies. But if they divide the work up in two, it would be hard to keep two companies in business all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they have accepted. And to some extent, they've accepted with shipbuilders too. Um, so it's an advantage that Huntington Angles has. Um, they would love to have lots of different shipbuilders doing it. There's um, a ton of different shipyards in the U.S. There's probably a half dozen uh, shipyards that are capable of building all sorts of uh, civilian ships, but they're not capable of building battleships and, and aircraft carriers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, there's a moat there because there's not enough business to go around. You see that a lot with local moats. That's kind of the most common moat of all. You would not open uh, a competing business across from a very successful um, version of whatever it is that you want to do. Do you think that's why Walmart was so good? Yeah. Because they came into these small towns and pretty mm-hmm. much what put everybody, I mean, a lot of the local um, retailers out of business. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to the towns where Walmart started out, mm-hmm. and it's hard for many Americans to realize this because they've been in towns where there was a lot of retail. Mm-hmm. But if you go where Walmart started out, um, it can only support one superstore. So in essence, by getting big quickly in one location, they were able to do that. Actually, in the very first locations they started out, it didn't support much more than a single retailer of any size. Mm-hmm. Um, the economics just didn't support it. So yeah, that happens. And and that's common with like, um, you have, uh, that's also common sometimes with, with um, local with some scale is very common. And it, it mostly happens in rural type areas. It can also happen in certain niches that are very specialized. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially things that there's just really small demand for. Um, uh, we talked about, I guess I've, I talked about, uh, I may have mentioned OPT sciences before. Um, but like I said, that was like an anti glare instrument panel stuff. Um, that's forms a very small company. It's pretty important to the customers to have that. There's also a company that makes technical glass, same sort of thing. It's a very small company. Um, but it's fairly um, uh, it's it's fairly important to the customer, so they're willing to pay up a little bit. And so even if it's not that efficient, like uh, in the case of the technical glass company I was um, just mentioned, uh, I think it's it's not what we call like um, a uh, modern factory environment. It's a lot of hand blown stuff and things like that. So uh, that means that they're getting pretty high prices. Uh, a good example of something that can't support a big enough business. A big enough industry is like um, Paradise, mm-hmm. which is a it, often a net net, and it's not a very good business. In uh, I believe it's in Florida, and it does candied um, fruit, which is what people use bakers use to make uh, fruitcake. It has almost all of that business. It's never been a very successful business as far as I remember. Uh, doesn't have very high returns on capital, but there's no way you could come in and compete with them. I think the market for fruitcake gets smaller every year. Uh, so you have an advantage just because of that scale mm-hmm. that's not big enough to support multiple competitors. Do you think C's Candies, when Warren and Charlie invested in it, had a had a strong moat? I think C's Candies had a strong moat when they invested in it. Uh, but that is what they would say mindshare. Mm-hmm. 
And that's so what it was, it was, especially in California. More so because it was just like, I guess like the Tiffany of, of, of candy or, or something like it had when people thought of candy, they thought of, of that. Yeah. Yes. And a big issue with it is that it's box uh, chocolate, uh-huh. which works totally different than like Hershey's mm-hmm. where you'd have Hershey's one day, you'd have Reese's the other day, you'd have whatever Cadbury. Um, in this case, you're basically going to buy it and gift it a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. And sure. so you, t- it's just a completely different business that way in terms of um, people buying it a few times a year that way and not trying other things. Uh, but that's a business that's huge in California and in some other states it's okay too, but it's never gotten big in the rest of the country. Sure. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I was up from North and yeah. sees it. I mean, there's no one even knows about right. these candies, but they still do. I mean, a crazy amount of mm-hmm. I mean, selling down here and, and in California, which is pretty interesting. How do you think about duopolies and moats and sort of, cause I mean, in essence, I mean, when you're thinking about a moat, it's to sort of fend off competition, sure. right? But at the same time, there's companies that are sort of operate like in duopolies. They have one competitor or mm-hmm. whatever that can still also have a moat. So how, do you sort of have an opinion on that? Yeah. So duopolies are often a good structure. Um, and even when we talk about some companies with moats, like Buffett would say that Geico has a moat. In reality, um, Geico has slight – Geico's direct business, uh, which is all of Geico – has a slight advantage over Progressive's direct business. Um, Progressive has a business through agents, which is also good. Um, but, you know, it's competitive. And, and Geico itself is a copy of uh, USAA. So um, those are the three, actually, that are big in, in the direct business. USAA is focused on um, families of uh, people in the armed services. So, uh, so that's a smaller part of the uh, smaller part of the industry, but those three, uh, are all the leaders in it. And there, if you'd say there's a moat that Geico has a low cost moat, it's more, uh, with companies that are unwilling to abandon agents. So the problem that they have is some of the big ones are all state and state farm. And for various reasons, uh, their systems just don't allow them to switch over. Uh, the the trouble that it would cause for the business they already have is really big. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for them to do that. They run a lot of ads, but they're just not going to be able to do what Geico does. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And do you think there's a, a quantitative way to to sort of screen for potential companies that could have a moat? Sure. So it depends on how you define it. The way that I define moat really is in terms of the damage another business can do to you. Mm-hmm. Now, people tend to think like if I say an ad agency has a moat or a bank has a moat, that that's ridiculous. But the truth is they have moats around their customers, you know, and you have the same thing happen with customers who are locked into a razor and blade type business where they bought original equipment from you. And for 10, 15 years, they're getting maintenance on it. You have a moat on that customer. Yeah, sure. So I don't know if each of the elevator manufacturers has uh, advantage over another in getting the business to first build an elevator. Mm -hmm. But I know that once they do, they have that customer for decades, potentially. Mm so I would say you can screen for it. The easiest way, which you'll have to probably do yourself in Excel, is to check the variation in the uh, operating margin. Hmm. So you take EBIT divided by sales over a long period of time. The longer, the better. If you can get 10, 15, 20 years of data, mm-hmm. and you can on Edgar. Um, and then you check what the variation is there. So that's the standard deviation um, divided by the mean. And if you do that and you get a really low number, then that's strong indicator that there's some sort of moat going on here. Yeah, it's kind of like Omnicom. Omnicom is very low that way. Mm-hmm. Another company that's incredibly low that way is Costco. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you would see that and say, well, Costco's supposed to be a retailer. Something weird is going on here. Mm-hmm. And now when you learn about Costco, you learn that they have these um, membership fees that they have and all that sort of stuff. Sure. But it just gives you an idea that it, um, if you see very low variation in terms of the EBIT margin, that overwhelmingly tells you something weird is going on here where for some reason there's not. What it's really telling you is that there's some sort of issue where they're not a marginal player in the industry. So usually it means either there's not cost, or there's not price competition in the industry. So any sort of cost plus company or something like that would show up as having a very stable margin. But the other thing it can mean is that it's a low cost leader. So it can show up as something like, you know, Geico or Costco or something could show up. There is price competition, mm-hmm. but for usually the order in which you have variation in the margin t- is telling you basically the order in which they uh, are the industry is ordered in terms of like cost advantages. Sure. Do you care more about the predictability and like the variance of of like the margins mm-hmm. as opposed to a company that just has high margins? Because a company like Costco, I mean, if someone was just screening, let's say on Morningstar or Guru Focus, and just quickly look at their operating margins, they're probably lower than a lot of that. Doesn't matter. So people so to obsess you, it doesn't about matter. margins. Uh, margins yeah. are it, totally don't matter yeah i so, mean i would argue the same thing you'd i'd care more so about the predictability of it and then, yeah you know, and it's, everything else. and return on capital matters yeah. so if they can turn if they have half the margin but they turn twice as fast mm-hmm. they generate twice as much sales versus their capital that's fine mm-hmm. so you know people complain about that about supermarkets you know that they have low margins jewelry stores have high margins supermarkets have low margins but it you can sell uh canned soup a lot faster than you can sell a diamond ring sure so if you can sell it 20 40 times faster it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. you can have higher returns on capital and there are plenty of supermarkets that have higher returns on capital than jewelers Mm -hmm. so um you look at return on capital and you look at on uh, predictability in the sense of stability of margins especially because margins is usually where you see problems um in bad years the companies that you see have the worst plunge in their margins are usually um, the companies that are in the most precarious uh, position competitively, mm-hmm. um, or the companies that have the least change in their margins are usually either the ones who have better cost situation, or there's some sort of thing where their customers aren't leaving them. Um, so it usually gives you an indication of that. But in many cases, it's just the industry. You it, you know, um, some industries have very poor uh, stability in their margins, and some don't. Um, if you just compare semiconductors and ad agencies, you would see that all ad agencies are really predictable compared to even the best positioned semiconductor companies. Mm-hmm. And you know um, that's something that's telling you an obvious point, which is that advertising agencies are generally a better business than, than semiconductors. Would you say that certain businesses could have a moat because of or just by the capital allocator that they have at the business? Like, would you argue that Berkshire Hathaway has a, a, a large moat because of they have Warren Buffett allocating the capital? I would not. That's really? the thing that you hear a lot. Mm-hmm. No, that's Well, not. it's definitely a controversial topic for sure. I mean, because a lot of people have their own topics. Yeah, that's not how I think of Moat. Like in terms of, um, and, and Moat doesn't necessarily mean to me a high return on capital. I can think of businesses that have okay or worse returns on capital, but I'd say have a Moat. So a company that has a really wide Moat that I wrote up was US Line. They don't necessarily have high returns on capital, but usually within a certain radius of a um, lime deposit mm-hmm. that that's that's been permitted and everything is being worked um, the customers are all going to be with the same company they could overlap those circles of of how close they are to each other but uh, it's generally not a very competitive business that way and um, it has a moat 
mm-hmm. I would say definitely. Uh, I would say that uh, cruise lines have emotes. It's really hard to build often a billion dollar cruise ship <laughs> sure. to have the scale necessary to compete with the the biggest ships in, in um, that other companies have to compete with the marketing that they have to do all that. It's just a huge scale to it. Mm-hmm. But they don't earn that great returns on, on equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they earn okay returns on equity, but not great often. Um, it's very likely to end up in an oversupplied con- uh, situation there. So you think sometimes the numbers don't necessarily tell the whole story? It's not like the, a black Those numbers and white do type. tell you that there's a moat. If uh-huh. you look, you'd see that there's probably a moat, that something's going on there. But First, I was just saying like as in like high return on capital. No, because yeah. that's where I'm saying that the two are different things. I've seen plenty of businesses with high returns on capital that I d- think don't have a moat. And I've seen plenty of businesses that have a moat that I don't think have a high return on capital. Uh-huh. The product economics have to be good for you to have a high return on capital. And on top of that, then the business has to be run in a way that it's, to a certain extent, run well, mm-hmm. or else you won't have a high return on capital. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think that generally it's stability that you see in terms of moat. A big thing would be very stable market share. So you can also look at market share. Mm-hmm. Um, very stable market share. You often have differences in relative size so relative market share matters a lot like i mentioned um cruise lines they have extreme relative market share so like the second place player is half the size of the first place the third place is half the size of the second place that's an unusual formation for a big industry to have in terms of um, market share splits that's not usually how it works it's it's not um that much of a trailing off from the leader down so that means that a huge part of the industry is in just three companies or something like that Uh uh-huh Interesting. And what, I mean, if, if you had to give a good company for people to go study, not necessarily, it's not investable or actionable or whatever, but just a good company for people to study just for pattern recognition skills and looking to improve their process or uh, for future stocks, what do you think is a good company for them to study that has a large moat? Large moat? So I mentioned US Lime that has a moat. Oh, uh, I was written up on the on the website. Written up on the website. Yep. Uh, Copart has a moat. Mm-hmm. Um, some big companies that you've heard of, I would not necessarily study because you know them well enough, but Facebook, Google, Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, and Amazon, obviously. Um, uh, so those are all examples of moats. There are some others too. Uh, you could study Ball, uh, which is a company I don't know if a lot of people know well. Um, I've never heard of that. Yeah. So they make, um, beverage containers. So basically they make the stuff that Coke is put into the stuff that mm-hmm. Coors, uh, is put into things like that. Um, and generally what happens is you only build uh, – the, the plants have to operate to be economical the way they want them to be. They're meant to operate 24-7. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, they ha- basically you need to match up a really big customer um, with a really big plant. And so to serve those really big customers, they have to um, set up a plant there, and you're not going to set up another plant nearby it. So they generally have a moat around each of them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and that's another example of sort of like um, you can't gradually add to the industry capacity. Mm-hmm. So you have a situation where one plant it runs at 100% capacity, but if a competitor comes in, they both be running at 50%. And you can't have that. No one's going to do that in terms of how much capital you're going to have to commit and how poor the return is going to be. Would you say a company like Nike, who also has to compete with like Adidas, Reebok, and Under Armour has a moat? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the biggest misconception, I think, for by a lot of people, by your definition, mm-hmm. is that like, I mean, to sort of have this enormous moat or whatever, that you're going to be like the only one doing what you're doing. No, I don't think that, that, that that's true at all. It's not like you have to have a monopoly or something uh-huh. like that. No. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 
tough to compete with Nike. It's tough to do a lot of harm to Nike mm-hmm. by coming in and trying to compete with them. Well, because they have like Mindshare and sort of they all They have Mindshare. Yeah. They have positions already in terms of where they are with, with retailers. They have mm-hmm. a bunch of sponsorships already. You have to come and take those away from them. If you read stories about how Nike got started, and there's an excellent book about that, um, Shoe Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a good book. Yeah. Uh, that gives you an example of how hard it was to get certain uh, kind of who they had to sp- get as sponsor, uh, who they had to get as um, spokespeople, you mm-hmm. know. And how hard that was since Adidas already had wrapped up a, a lot of athletes. They had to sort of focus on things that Adidas had not. Under Armour, same sort of thing. They had to focus on sort of gaps in what uh, Nike had and Adidas had. Would you say, and I'm just throwing questions, would you say UPS and FedEx sure. have moats? Huge moats. Really? Huge. Even though, but I mean, people... But returns of capital aren't that great. I was going to say though, but do people choose them based upon... Just because they've always used them, or whoever's cheaper. Distribution I mean, is a tremendous. So that's logistics. Think? That's logistics. But distribution in general is just a huge moat that some companies have. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, getting things from one place to another, mm-hmm. having the amount of volume correct for each um, distribution center that you have, um, density of deliveries in terms of your route. Um, there's all sorts of things we could get into. I mean, like as if. For instance, armored car companies and um, laundry companies, companies that pick up and and return your laundry for commercial laundry, Mm -hmm. um, those businesses have tend to have moats locally. And this is an issue with all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, Like UPS or FedEx could have moats in certain kinds of um, deliveries, and yet DHL could be really successful in something else. Mm Um, they're actually, I read in the Wall Street Journal, I think they're going to start to come back to the United States and do, did they stop doing stuff in the United States or something like that? Are you familiar with that? I don't know. The article I was reading some, I, I don't remember. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, so those are, those are definitely moats there, but, but the business itself doesn't necessarily lend itself to high returns on capital. Um, so that's something that you should be aware of. The, the same thing is potentially true for like, it tends to happen that parts of businesses have moats. So, like, even when we talk about something like airlines, like in the U.S. now, Mm -hmm. there are airlines that have certain flights and certain airports where they have moats. The problem is that as you look at the business as a whole, often you're not protected by a lot of moats around the whole business. And Mm -hmm. and that's the thing. Most companies outgrow their moat at some point and try to expand into different things. And sometimes they're successful in having a few different businesses with moats. Uh, Google bought YouTube. Mm -hmm. And now Google is a search engine and YouTube... Uh, as video both have really big moats and are both sort of the winner take all leader in those things yeah that's interesting and then i'm trying to think of um would you say that apple has a huge moat sure well apple has a really big installed base um it has network effects Mm -hmm. which is the one that people talk about a lot that tends to be the one that's really popular now when you say that value investors a lot of people like to talk about the network effects sure yeah, so whether it's Facebook or, or any of those sorts of things. And, and that is true. Um, a, a lot of times the advantage is that you have to do two things. So you have to sort of have two sides that you're successful at at once. So like Netflix is a good example of that or HBO, um, which are networks. And so that that's why the network effect idea makes sense there. Sure. But basically they have this issue where they have to have, to get all the viewers, you have to have all the content. And to afford all the content, you have to have all the viewers. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you need both, basically. Now, there's companies that haven't done that. Uh, Rupert Murdoch went into Europe um, without having 
the viewers and just paid a lot for the content and it was successful. But most um, companies won't do that. They won't take losses up front and lose a lot of money for a while and, and build on the idea that they'll eventually have viewers there. Sure. So, you know, the, the, I mean, the, some of the biggest moats, of course, are something like um, in the U.S., cable. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest mode that you can have there. Why right? is that? Because it's because they have high switching costs. Because I mean, like, what there's do you think? no competition. Okay, you've it's 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 literally like having a um, yeah, I guess toll you kind of yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Once you've hooked something up with cable, why would someone else come in and overbuild that to hook it the same thing up? Mm-hmm. Right now, they've also been good as an industry to avoid competition by intentionally, you know, not doing those things. So it's it's somewhat more of a you know, whether you want to call it collusion or whatever, they've worked to make sure that they don't harm each other. But couldn't you argue that their moat is being diminished by everything online? Well, but how are you going to get online? Uh, yeah, I guess that. I mean, well, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense too. No, I mean, it's possible wireless. Yeah. Sure. So will wireless carriers eventually take all of the um, data that you're going to do? Uh-huh. Is that how it's going to work? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. And they've changed over time. I mean, they weren't intended to be... Now they're all about data and stuff. They were intended to just be something about video in rural areas, how they started out. But I just mean, um, it, you know, it's the same as saying, is there could there be competition to this bridge or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there can be. But it ha- it's almost like it has to switch. Uh, it's not something that can slowly erode over time. Interesting. I haven't had cable in six years, yeah, but my same. cable bill has kept... The, the bill I pay the cable company yeah. has kept going out for six years. Wow. It's just not for video. Yeah, imagine that. Cool. Well, any other top or ideas on the on the topic? Anything else you want to add? No, I think that, that those are good points about what moat is. Um, there's a lot of debate that people have about, you know, whether something does or doesn't have a moat, and a lot of people don't kind of believe in the concept of. Because it's not really a, a cold you know, black and white type. I mean, it could be any, like you said it yourself, like FedEx and UPS, they have, you would argue a strong moat, but sure. they also have low return uh, on capital, you know? Yeah. Because just against each other, they're able to keep that return on capital that low. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that can happen in businesses. But so I think it really comes from just learning about each company that you're sort of, you're studying and then maybe the companies that are also in the industry and sort of sure, you know, determine from that. I think it's really important to separate the concepts of return on capital and moat. Mm-hmm. When I t- hear people talk about it, they kind of conflate the two so that it's almost as if they're one thing. I, You will find businesses that have tremendous returns on capital and no moat. In a few years, there may be competition and it goes away. You will also find businesses that have really big moats, but no one wants to come in and attack it. If we wanted to take over the candied fruit business, it would be pretty hard. But Paradise does not earn a good return on it, on its equity at all. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we can go in there and, and, and do a lot of harm to them. Sure. They have a moat. It's a bad industry. The, the product is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, there's not enough people who, who want fruitcake. Yeah. Okay? So that can happen. That has nothing to do with moat. It's not that their competition is keeping them in that position. Mm-hmm. It's that literally there aren't enough people buying the product. Well, that's that's a great point. I think we could conclude there. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, be sure to go to the Focus Compounding website to get access to ideas, a bunch of reports that Jeff has written about in the past, some ideas that are actually probably actionable today. Mm-hmm. Um, good places to start. 10,000 words each report in typical yeah. Jeff Gannon fashion, uh, fashion. Never A couple of them have moats probably. Yeah, that, that's true. That's And, and you... You guys actually do kind of categorize like a moat section, don't mm-hmm. you? And talk, it's a whole section of it, yeah. Yeah, go, go really in depth. So that's definitely a good place uh, to start, I guess, to learn about it. Uh, if you f- do sign up, be sure to use the promo code podcast. 
and your data is secure with us. We don't sell it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we do not. Um, and it's uh, it's great. It's a community of like-minded investors. You can interact with others. You can comment on other people's um, write-ups. And it's just uh, it's a growing community of value and quality mm-hmm. oriented investors. In fact, you can be anonymous there. We have several people who, for professional reasons, remain anonymous. Yes. And we will allow that. And we do allow that. So and. So everything's all good there. So we want to thank everybody for listening today. Be sure to find us on Twitter. My Twitter is at Focused Compound. Mr. Jeff's is at Jeff Gannon, G-E-O-F-F, Gannon, G-A-N-N-O-N. And we will see you in the next podcast.